Hi, I'm Adrienne, the host of She's So Cool, a female empowerment podcast. This show is for listeners who want to learn about strong and influential women. Welcome to She's So Cool, where you will hear the life stories of female changemakers each week. Each woman's story will inspire you to embrace who you are, love yourself fiercely, and pursue your dreams. I want to let you know that this episode includes topics that might be difficult for some listeners. These topics include miscarriage and homicide. Please check the show notes for resources about these topics if you or someone you know needs help or support. On this episode, you will learn about the struggles and successes of Yoko Ono, a Japanese-American artist, singer, songwriter, and activist. Have you ever been blamed for something you didn't do? Have you ever been treated differently because of the way you look? Or have other people ever taken credit for your work? These are all things Yoko has struggled with, and I'm here to share her story, so we can learn how she became a woman who has overcome widespread hatred and continues to spread the message of peace. In this episode, I will examine Yoko's experiences with racism, her independence, and her ability to be herself. Before researching for this episode, I knew that Yoko was married to the late John Lennon, a member of the Beatles. John once described Yoko as the world's most famous unknown artist. Everyone knows her name, but nobody knows what she does. Based solely on pop culture references, she seems to be best known for breaking up the Beatles. But I wanted to learn her story for myself, so let's get into it. She was born Yoko Ono in Tokyo, Japan in 1933. The translation of her first name means Ocean Child. She's the daughter of Isoko and Aisuki Ono. Two weeks before she was born, her father, a banker, was transferred to work in San Francisco by his employer, and the rest of the family went to America later. According to an NPR article from 2010, Yoko didn't meet her father until she was two years old. She said that her father was an independent spirit and a very good pianist. Yoko herself started taking piano lessons when she was just four years old. She was the oldest of three children with a younger brother and a younger sister. According to Lisa Carver's 2012 book titled, Reaching out with no hands, reconsidering Yoko Ono. Yoko was a quiet girl who kept to herself. Growing up, her mother told her that she wasn't pretty, while her father was away for most of her life. Her father's work required the family to move between Japan and the United States several times. Her family moved to New York City in 1940 and to Hanoi the next year. They remained in Tokyo throughout World War II and used a bunker to protect themselves from bombs during an air raid. According to a 2007 NPR article, Yoko moved to New York City against the wishes of her parents in the early 1950s. She studied writing and music at Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville, New York. Yet she struggled to find her artistic niche and never graduated. She later became involved in the avant-garde art scene, which is characterized by works that are experimental, radical, or unorthodox, with respect to art, culture, or society. In 1956, she married a Japanese pianist, Ichi Yanagi Toshi, who she met through the New York avant-garde community. As a result of this marriage, sources state that her family disowned her. Yoko and Ichi Yanagi eventually got divorced in 1962. Yoko experienced a great deal of depression at this time and received residential treatment. Later that year, she married her second husband, Anthony Cox. She gave birth to their daughter, Kyoko Chan Cox, in August 1963. Some sources say that Yoko left most of the parenting responsibilities to Anthony while she pursued her art career full-time. The avant-garde philosophy pushes the boundaries of societal norms and expectations, 
And in avant-garde fashion, Yoko performed the cut piece in 1964, which involved the audience cutting off pieces of her clothing until she was naked. Dan Richter, a friend and employee of Yoko, said, Almost everything Yoko did was to try to get the audience or the observer to take part, and to use their own minds and to awaken things in their minds. The cut piece is unconventional, but so is Yoko. Lisa Carver wrote, Yoko Ono is not pretty. She is not easy. Her paintings aren't recognizable. Her voice is not melodious. Her films are without plot. And her happenings make no sense. Even other artists can't figure Yoko out or accept her as legit, nor can she obey the club rules. Her stuff is all wrong. This is why I love her. We need more impossible in our culture. Two years later, John Lennon met Yoko at the special preview showing of her one-woman conceptual art show titled Unfinished Paintings and Objects at the Indica Gallery in London in November 1966. She apparently didn't know who he was, even though he was an international superstar at the time. Soon after they met, she signed a copy of her book titled Grapefruit and sent it to him. They were both married at the time. In a 2002 interview, Yoko said, I was very attracted to him. It was a really strange situation. Their affair began in May 1968, when they spent time together in his home studio, while John's wife Cynthia was out of town on vacation. According to several sources, they soon became inseparable. In October 1968, word leaked to the press that Yoko was pregnant with John's baby. The next month, she experienced her first miscarriage. According to a 1988 book co-written by John's sister, he remained at Yoko's bedside at Queen Charlotte's Hospital in London. He slept in a sleeping bag in her hospital room for several days after her miscarriage. When John's first wife, Cynthia, found out that he had been unfaithful, she sued him for divorce, citing his adultery with Yoko as the cause. In February 1969, Yoko was granted a divorce from her second husband. The next month, she and John got married in a quiet civil ceremony on the island of Gibraltar. During their honeymoon, they staged their first bed-in in their Amsterdam hotel room to promote world peace in response to the Vietnam War. During their bed-in, John told a reporter, We're going to stay in bed for seven days. Instead of having a private honeymoon, it's a private protest. And Yoko added, For the violence that's going on in the world, we show that instead of making war, let's stay in bed. Fifty years after their bed-in, a 30-minute video of this event was discovered in a Dutchman's cellar. This video was only broadcast once, shortly after the honeymoon. In 2012, Yoko posted a film she co-created titled Bed Peace, which you can watch for free on YouTube. In 2017, she wrote, Dear friends, in 1969, John and I were so naive to think that doing the bed-in would help change the world. Well, it might have, but at the time we didn't know. It was good that we filmed it, though. The film is powerful now. What we said then could have been said now. John began inviting Yoko into the studio with the Beatles, which was seen as intrusive because her presence violated the band's agreement that wives and girlfriends were not allowed in the studio. John really valued Yoko's opinion, yet her feedback increased the tensions between Yoko and the other Beatles. This may be why some people think Yoko was the reason the Beatles broke up. According to a 2009 Rolling Stone article by Michael Gilmore, fellow Beatle Ringo Starr said, She's not a Beatle, John, and she never will be. This upset John, and he responded, Yoko is part of me now. We're John and Yoko. We're together. John didn't want to bring Yoko into the studio as a guest, but as a collaborator. Yoko later said, He wanted me to be part of the group. He created the group, so he thought the others should accept that. I didn't particularly want to be part of them. In 2019, Colin Bertram wrote, 
In Beatles lore, no person is as divisive or controversial as Yoko Ono, the lover and eventual bride of John Lennon, who arrived on the scene as the band was facing its toughest hardships. Robert Rodriguez, host of the Something About the Beatles podcast, said, There's not a Beatle fan out there that doesn't have strong feelings toward her, either hating on her or thinking she and John had the greatest love story ever. Despite the popular opinion that Yoko was the reason the Beatles broke up, in 2012, Paul McCartney said, I don't think you can blame her for anything. She certainly didn't break the group up. The group was breaking up. In 2018, Paul told Howard Stern that John was ultimately responsible for the split. In September 1969, John privately told the other Beatles that he was leaving the band. The next month, Yoko miscarried a second baby, a boy they named John Ono Lennon, who was buried in a small white coffin somewhere outside London. Even though John had previously shared his intention to leave the Beatles, there was no public acknowledgement of the band's breakup until April 1970, when Paul announced that he was leaving the group. In December of that year, Paul attempted to legally dissolve the group by bringing suit against them. In September 1971, Yoko and John left England and moved to America. They did this to escape the tabloid racism that Yoko was being subjected to. In October 2010, Yoko told Anderson Cooper that she believes racism and sexism played a role in being personally blamed for the breakup of the Beatles. In that interview, she said, I was used as a scapegoat, a very easy scapegoat. You know, a Japanese woman and whatever. The United States and Britain were fighting with Japan in World War II. It was just after that. So I can understand how they felt. In late 1971, Yoko's ex-husband Anthony disappeared with their eight-year-old daughter when Yoko and Anthony were in the middle of a custody battle. He ultimately won custody of Kyoko after claiming that she was an unfit mother due to her drug use. He changed their daughter's name to Ruth Holman and raised her in a pseudo-Christian cult. It's been said that Yoko and John searched for Kyoko for years. In an interview with People magazine, Anthony said they escaped the cult in 1977. In response to this, Yoko wrote her daughter a letter that was published in 1986 by People magazine. Her letter said, Dear Kyoko, All these years, there has not been one day I have not missed you. You are always in my heart. However, I will not make any attempt to find you now, as I wish to respect your privacy. I wish you all the best in the world. If you ever wish to get in touch with me, know that I love you deeply and would be very happy to hear from you. But you should not feel guilty if you choose not to reach me. You have my respect, love, and support forever. Love, Mommy. They reunited sometime in the 1990s, although the exact date is unclear. In September 1971, John's album titled Imagine was released, and it went to the top of the charts all around the world. It ended up being his most popular solo album. The title track was declared the song of the century by the National Music Publishers Association in 2017 and is considered to be one of his best songs. In the early 1970s, Yoko and John's relationship became strained. They separated in July 1973, and John started an 18-month-long romantic relationship with their personal assistant, Mei Peng. Yoko later said, The affair was something that was not hurtful to me. I needed a rest. I needed space. Can you imagine every day of getting this vibration from people of hate? You want to get out of that. Also, we were so close. John didn't even want me to go to the bathroom by myself. I will come with you, he would say. Yoko and John got back together in early 1975. That year, Yoko got pregnant and gave birth to their son, Sean, in October on John's 35th birthday. 
After Sean was born, Yoko and John went on a, quote, spring cleaning of their minds. They didn't make any records, artwork, or make any public appearances for five years. On December 5th, 1980, John was interviewed by Rolling Stone, where he said, Give peace a chance, not shoot people for peace. All we need is love, I believe it. Three days later, John was shot and killed by a deranged fan named Mark David Chapman in front of his home at the age of 40. Yoko was standing a few feet away from John at the time of the shooting. He was taken to the hospital for resuscitation. When the doctors told her that John was gone, Yoko kept repeating, It's not true. I don't believe you. You're lying. After she regained her composure, she requested the public announcement be held off until she could tell their son herself. John's killer has been serving a life sentence for his murder since his conviction. In 2016, Yoko wrote a list-based article for Us Weekly. The last item on the list said, Maybe people already know this, but I miss John every day. After his death, Yoko went into what one source said was complete seclusion for an extended period. Since then, she has done a lot to keep the memory of John alive. In April 1981, a patch of land in Central Park near Yoko and John's apartment was named Strawberry Fields, in his honor. In August of that year, it was announced that Strawberry Fields would be renovated and landscaped. Instead of a statue, Yoko requested that Strawberry Fields become a living memorial. It's a triangular piece of land with a circular pathway mosaic that features the word imagine. According to one source, Yoko contributed over a million dollars for the landscape and upkeep of the memorial. On the 60th anniversary of John's birth in 2000, Yoko opened the John Lennon Museum in Japan. The museum displayed a collection of John's memorabilia and remained open until September 2010. In 2002, Yoko founded the Lennon Ono Grant for Peace, which grants $50,000 to people and organizations chosen by Yoko herself in honor of John. This grant is awarded every two years. In October 2007, Yoko unveiled the Imagine Peace Tower in Iceland. It's an outdoor art installation that emits a ray of light on several significant days throughout the year, including those from October 9th, John's birthday, until December 8th, his death. She has continued to produce art and music over the years since John's death. Their son, Sean, has followed in his parents' footsteps by also pursuing a career in music. In 1995, Yoko released a rock album that features music by Sean and his band. Yoko is often referred to as an activist and is most popularly known to advocate for and spread peace. But she has also stood up for other humanitarian and environmental causes that are important to her. After the Columbine High School shooting in 1999, she paid for billboards to be put up in New York City and Los Angeles that had the image of John's blood-spattered glasses. This was a visual representation of her desire to have better gun control laws in America. In 2004, Yoko rewrote the lyrics for her song titled, Every Man, Every Woman, and released remixes that had more inclusive lyrics to support same-sex relationships. In August 2012, Yoko and Sean founded Artists Against Fracking, an organization that protests the fracking of natural gas and oil. Even in her 80s, she continues to advocate for peace and protection. To learn more about what she's up to, visit imaginepeace.com. It wasn't until recently that Yoko was officially recognized for the contributions she made to John's music before he passed away. In June 2017, the National Music Publishers Association announced that Yoko would be added as a co-writer to John's classic song, Imagine. A few days before his death, John participated in a radio interview and said, 
That should be credited as a Lennon Ono song, because a lot of it, the lyric and concept, came from Yoko. But in those days, I was a bit more selfish, a bit more macho, and I sort of omitted to mention her contribution. But it was right out of Grapefruit, her book. There's a whole pile of pieces about Imagine This and Imagine That, and give her credit now, long overdue. Yoko spoke about another one of John's songs titled Jealous Guy and said, John would have given me the right credit, but it was a difficult time. No famous songwriter would have thought of splitting the credit with his wife. The reasoning behind this may be explained by Simon Hilton, a music video director who had worked with Yoko and John. He said, Yoko had so much bad press and people didn't seem to like her. She was kept out of things in order not to spoil the public's reaction to them. I think there was a sense that they were trying to protect the art from being defamed by the sort of negative halo of associations with her. In 2017, at the age of about 84, Yoko was asked if there were more details regarding her contribution to the song, and she said, I think in maybe 10 years I can tell it all, but I don't know if I want to. Yoko continues to promote her art and share inspirational messages through social media. At the time of this recording, her Twitter bio reads, Imagine peace. Think peace. Act peace. Spread peace. On May 24, 2019, she tweeted, We have to work on getting peace and love. When we get it and know that it was a result of our work, we will be so proud. We will forget the pain it took us to get it. As we have learned, much of the hatred Yoko experienced was fueled by the fact that she was Japanese. According to the 2009 Rolling Stone article by Michael Gilmore, the press and fans called her offensive names, and John had to shield her from physical harm. The level of loathing from the public intensified when it was publicly announced that the Beatles were breaking up. As Lisa Carver wrote, To call someone Yoko Ono, this incredible transgressive artist active for 60 years in a dozen countries, and creating as many different art exhibitions, films, books, and social activist campaigns is an insult? Of course, in our indelicate, gossip-driven culture, few could name even one song or work of art of the thousands she has done. Instead, what most people quote know about this artist is that she broke up the Beatles. In the 2018 documentary titled, John and Yoko, Above Us Only Sky, Kieran Murphy, a photographer who worked with the couple said, there was something absolutely lovely about her, which I'm not sure I can put my finger on, but she was completely different to the propaganda we'd all been led to believe, that she was this devil woman, a foreigner to boot, who broke up the Beatles. To this day, she is still known and blamed for the band's breakup by people all around the world. Although others have bombarded her with negativity, she chooses not to let this get to her too much. She once said, I realize that if my thoughts immediately affect my body, I should be careful about what I think. Now if I get angry, I ask myself why I feel that way. If I can find the source of my anger, I can turn that negative energy into something positive. In her book, Lisa Carver wrote, She doesn't respond to hate. She says, I'm a move-on girl, not a stop-and-get-bothered girl. Next time you're angry, think about Yoko's story. Take a deep breath and remind yourself that you can turn that negative energy into positive energy by reframing your mind. If you need a visual, think about breathing in positivity and breathing out negativity. Although she had a very close relationship with John, Yoko seemed to be pretty independent. Many people thought Yoko was the one who was latched onto John, but it appears that it may have been the other way around. John once described his relationship with Yoko as two minds, one destiny, and said, I love Yoko. I want to possess her completely. 
In the John and Yoko documentary, there were many different accounts of how John felt about Yoko. According to Dan Richter, the couple's live-in assistant, John had an emptiness, something missing that he was looking for, and it seemed as if Yoko was the thing that was missing in his life. Klaus Vorman, the bass guitarist for Jealous Guy, said, She gave him everything he needed, and he changed completely. It's also been said that John's perceptions and language also changed after meeting Yoko. And yet John has always been the center of attention. This was especially evident throughout my research as most of the stories about Yoko's life are somehow associated with John in one way or another. This reminds me of the antiquated quote, behind every great man is a great woman. Yet Yoko is an incredible woman in her own right, regardless of her association with John. Before, during, and after her relationship with the former Beatle, Yoko has independently forged her own path. Stephen Covey once said, Every human has four endowments, self-awareness, conscience, independent will, and creative imagination. These give us the ultimate human freedom, the power to choose, to respond, to change. In order to experience our own freedom, let us work towards becoming more self-aware, more conscientious, more independent, and more creative. Consider picking one to start with and focusing your attention on that area before moving on to the next one. John's death was tragic and shouldn't have happened the way it did, but Yoko has persevered after he passed away. She has gained many accolades over the last several decades, including two Grammy Awards, and she has achieved all this while staying true to who she is. Lisa Carver wrote, Yoko quietly questioned and bucked against what was expected of her as a little girl, as a daughter, the same way she later questioned and bucked against what she was supposed to be as a mother, as a wife, as a lover, as an artist. If one thing is clear, Yoko is unapologetically herself. As she once said, you change the world by being yourself. So let's choose to wake up, be ourselves, and change the world. Embrace who you are, no matter what others think of you. Love yourself fiercely, and know that you deserve to be loved. Pursue your dreams and spread peace wherever you go. Although I'm sharing the life stories of these strong and influential women, you may notice that some details have been left out. I mention this because I want you to know that I have chosen to highlight specific parts of their stories, because the content has been planned to help you reap the most benefit out of listening to this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please tell your friends and family to listen. I'm excited to announce that my first She's So Cool unscripted episode goes live on May 31st. To listen, visit patreon.com slash she's so cool pod. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to email me at shesocoolpod at gmail.com. You can also see the show notes, sign up for email updates, and provide episode suggestions on shesocoolpod.com. The cover art was created by Gabrielle Bourgeois, and the music was created by Broke for Free.